We are um, gonna have a conversation about leveling up your clientele. And I started to do the research for this topic and I, um, I started like going one way and then went into another direction. So it may feel kind of disjointed, but just flow with me because I, um, I wanted to talk about this idea of premium versus luxury, but then at the same time give practical advice on um, how to do like up level and get those sales from clients who have money to spend that those those discretionary funds and what those steps look like so it's going to be sort of like two different kind of conversations but i'm going to bring it together at the end um so basically i wanted to the purpose of this live is to connect with business owners who are in the space of they're working they're planning they are doing what everything that they feel they need to do, but still not getting that clientele that is going to pay them the money to let their brilliance shine. And I feel like oftentimes, especially people who are new to any kind of business, special events industry, um, that's where my focus is, but any industry, it's there's almost like a learning curve. And there is a time when you will be working and you won't necessarily reach that client that you're trying to reach in the very beginning. And what are some steps that you can take to do to get over that hump? Um, it's, it's a very discouraging space when you're creating and you're designing and you get clients who don't value your work output. So that is the conversation that we're gonna have today. So how to reach those clients who have those um, discretionary funds and who um, respect what you do. So we're gonna start the conversation with the importance of the client experience and then go into what your team should be doing in order for everyone to feel like you are creating this luxury space. Then we'll talk about premium versus luxury and what that looks like. Um, the client journey mapping. And, and this is what I'm speaking about. When I was doing the research, there were two parallel ideas, but you know, with some tweaking. So one was this client journey mapping, and then another source called it the, the, the client life cycle. So I'll be talking about both. And then I'll give you the six steps to level up your clientele. Um, and then we'll finish it up with the overall sentiments on basically how I feel about um, this idea of leveling up. So today I have my slides in order, so I feel like I'm, I'm doing something. All right, so the first thing is nothing is more important than your client experience. No matter what your business or your brand is, you have to always focus on the experience that you're giving your clients. and. The way that you engage your clients from the beginning to the end is what we're calling this client experience. So in essence, the better or the more satisfied your clients are, it'll directly lead to loyal clients and clients who are referring because that's a huge thing in business and a boost in your overall um, revenue. So it's, it's like a, a t not a tiered, it's, it's a straight line, so to speak when you are trying to reach this upper echelon client. You have to always think about creating a client experience 
that's going to maximize your bottom line. Sorry, I put the, the slides in. Okay, so where does that start? So you have to think about your team. Now, your team can be just you and your assistant. It could be um, three, four people, however you describe your team. And it starts with reaching this client and going above and beyond for them. I have been in spaces where clients, excuse me, where customers interface with businesses and they're not happy and a business will completely ignore them. To me, that is not good customer service and the, the brand reputation is jeopardized at that point. So for me in Petite Seats, it's always my goal to always give maximum amounts of customer satisfaction. So that's going above and beyond for whatever my client may need. In this space of luxury and premium services, that may mean that you have your phone on 24 hours. That may mean that you're doing work outside of the nine to five um, time slots. So that's something that you must consider as you're thinking about working with clients who have um, premium budgets. The next thing is um, your customer service has to be customer focused. It's not about the business. It's not about the owners. It's not about their egos. It's about making sure that you're reaching your client where they need to be and you are fulfilling all of their needs and their desires. Anything outside of that is not good customer service. Hi. And so this idea that I just mentioned of real-time support. I remember listening to a speech that Preston Bailey um, gave several years ago. This is when I first came to New York, so it had to be over 15 years ago. And he said that when he is dealing with clients, once they are officially clients and they sign that contract, if someone sends him an email, he always responds within 30 minutes. And that always stuck with me. And, and I wasn't really doing much business back then, but as I'm in a, in a space of doing business now, I always keep that in the back of my mind. Now, during busy times, I would have somebody, if I can't do it, I would have somebody um, do check my emails for me. But I always try to reach back to the client in a reasonable amount of time. Not one day, not two days, not three days. Because for me, if they took the time to do the inquiry form and fulfill what I, um, you know, made my job easier by giving me everything that they need, I then have to maximize that client experience by connecting with them as soon as possible. Now, that's something that many business owners take for granted. But whenever I have a client that I am able to respond to immediately, nine times out of 10, they're telling me, oh my gosh, thank you for the immediate response, especially other vendors or other people in the industry. They appreciate that real-time support. So that's something that you always have to consider. The next thing is you have to train all of your team, people who are interfacing with your clients, the same standard of of business. So if you have a script that you give them to follow when they're um, doing an intake process, if you have certain protocols that you want them to follow, everyone who deals with clients has to understand that. That is super important. All right, let's go to the next, the next part of team actions. So your team has to have an understanding 
and be able to speak to what your product or your um, your business is. So basically, when I said in my last live, everyone is a salesperson. It doesn't matter what their role is within your company. Everyone has to be a salesperson and everyone has to understand how you're doing business. And I wrote notes specifically on this because if you are in a space and you as the, this is this idea of you being the CEO of your brand, there is going to come a time when you are not going to be able to interface directly with your clients. So this is where I am right now in my business. I know every aspect of my business. I know the, the length of the tables. I know the height of the tables. I know the height of the chair backs, everything. In my, um, I have this whole little binder that I'm creating, this standard operating procedures. I have a blueprint of all of these things that I need to turn key to someone else, to my um, position, this position that I'm hiring for office manager. Because they need to then, uh, that, that's not a CEO level um, task, so to speak. If someone emails or calls and wants to know what are the dimensions of a chair, me as a CEO or the founder should not be answering that question. So whoever I put in a position to answer that question has to know and has to be in a position to feel confident to answer and give the correct answer without coming back to me asking me for questions. So you have to create a system within your business so that everyone who was on the team knows every aspect of the business. Um, hold on one second. I wanted to find that in my notes because I'm like going back and forth. Okay, here we are. So this idea that anyone on the team can quickly answer a question and it doesn't have to be you is how you are creating and molding your team so that there are no gaps in communication with clients. The next thing is this idea of effective communication. It's a soft skill that's vital. And I have seen businesses, and I'll give you for instance, I was on a, a job one day and the driver um, that was delivering for another rental company basically got into a, a whole altercation with the party planner because the party planner didn't know where they wanted the stuff to be dropped off at. And for me, I don't care what the situation is. If that is the client, the event planner is the client, the driver should not have come out of pocket, so to speak, and show their angst to the client because it makes the brand look bad. So you have to understand that when you are sending people off to represent your brand, they have to understand effective communication. They have to practice patience. They have to practice empathy because those are the things that clients remember. And those are the things that when it's time to write feedback or refer to another, um, uh, you know, refer to another potential customer, those are the things that they will share. Um, I know, Anne, if you're still on here, I remember her talking about another rental company and her speaking about their delivery team and just how personable they are and how they always go above and beyond. That is the level of care that you want everyone on the team to have because they are representing your brand and you working towards that higher level CEO position, you're not going to have time to have, you know, to be managing that part of the job on the day site. So that is something that's very important. Having um, self-service options. So many people are starting in this space and they don't have websites. For me, it's almost, 
I would say the most important thing to do when it comes down to marketing your brand is to have a, a website that allows for clients to reach you directly um, and, and fill out an inquiry form. That's what I'm speaking about, the self-service option, because it gives the client who is interested a chance to explain everything that they need, all of their desires in one space without you having to have a back and forth email conversation or phone conversation. Once that form is filled out, if you have questions or if they have questions, then you can you know, continue the conversation and call. But the initial um, coming to your business should be on this self-service option. It makes things seamless. It, it gives uh, client, potential clients this idea that you have your thing, you have your stuff together and they don't always have to come for you to come to you first for just simple things. Sorry, I have to turn my, my page and my notes. Um, the final part of this is to add a, sorry, I'm looking at the comments as I'm, um, I'm reading <laughs> is to add a, uh, a customer feedback, um, platform in your website. It, it could be sending a Google link, sending a Yelp link, um, just sending an email. I would love your feedback. Feedback is instrumental to your growth in a business. And particularly when you are new and you want to try or test the product, you want to know how well you did or what the interpret what the experience is for the client. Now, I sort of taken off with that um, or don't do it as much as I used to in the very beginning. But in the beginning, I always asked for feedback because I wanted to improve my practices. And this idea that the feedback allows me to set my expectations and clients' expectations for how I do business. And then your reviews, you can then use to display on your website. I actually have that on my website now. Um, and it's a, a powerful marketing tool to improve customer relations. Okay, so next, so those are the actions of what your team should be um, doing. So next, I want to just start this before we get into into the conversation of luxury versus um, premium brands. I want you to think about your brand and I want you to answer this question. So does your branding support your desire for deep pocket clients? So what that means is that or what I'm asking is that when someone comes to whether it's your website or your Instagram feed, um, your blog, whatever it is, when they come to your space, where you say you're doing business at, does it give the impression of a high-end brand or a luxury brand or someone that has the confidence to demand whatever their service fee is? Does it look good? Does it look like it's something that's expensive? Like Jada and I have these conversations all the time. Um, and we ask each other, does this look like someone who has confidence to demand whatever their asking price is. So those are something that you have to, to take stock in when you are displaying a picture, a story, whatever it is um, for your brand, because that is what the client is seeing first. So now let's get into this conversation of luxury and premium. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this um, to this conversation is because oftentimes I hear um, people put in to their um, t 
tagline that they're a luxury business, right? And then I go to look at their, their imaging and I'm just like, well, luxury where? And for me, it's not necessarily a, a price tag that you put on luxury. It's, to me, it's an implied thing. I don't have to say luxury for you to see my work and know that, okay, that looks expensive. So it's, it's how th that is interpreted by the client. So what I did here um, is I looked at the difference between premium and luxury and what that implies. So I'm just going to be reading what you see from the bulleted list. So premium brands cannot become luxury brands just by raising their price. So just because you have a high ticket price does not make you a luxury brand. There's more to it. The next thing is, it's not the price tag that defines luxury. So that goes into what I just said. It goes deeper than that. So luxury consumers or luxury clients want to know about the brand's heritage, the legacy of the brand. They want to know about its uniqueness. They want to know that it goes deeper than just a competitive edge. So when you're talking about luxury, price doesn't enter into the equation. Next, a premium brand advertises to sell. When you're talking about a luxury brand, we're not talking about selling. We're talking about educating the client to appreciate the value of the brand or the product or the service. Um, and it's not about affordability at all. As I said, again, price is something that is not typically discussed on that level. The next thing is to retain a strong presence in the luxury marketplace. Brands will need to come up with a way to be exclusive, a way to limit their availability. And I'll go in deeper into that in a minute. The luxury consumers aren't interested in more features for their money. They're not worried about your, your bang for your buck. It's about exclusivity. It's about having something that may not be readily available on the market. Um, that is something that premium brands consider. And then the final thing here is luxury is defined by timelessness, a story, scarcity, and then the social cachet. So I'm going to go deeper in that because this gives a broadened idea of the two. But then I want to talk about this luxury space. And I want to sit there for a minute because it always annoys me when I see this luxury in people's branding and it doesn't translate into what I see, the visuals. So there are four, no, sorry, three things here that are considered luxury branding tips. And I don't have a slide for this, so it's just literally me just taking notes and talking. Um, one second, I want to check the the chat because I'm I'm talking but I'm not looking. And if you have questions, just um, put it in the, the question bubble so that when it pops up, I can see it without having to scroll. So the first thing is high-end pricing. Now, this is something that almost every entrepreneur who is in a service-based business struggles with. It's how to price yourself. When you want to reach this upper echelon client, the pricing has to be a premium. It has to be something that... <laughs> Yes, and it has to be something that they feel like they're, you know, they're, only they can afford. It's an exclusive thing. That is something that I struggled with in the beginning of Petite Seats. Now, I came in and I priced the chairs. My most expensive chair when I started was 
Now I have $15 chairs. Each year, I gradually increase the pricing of my chairs. So coming um, this summer, I'm gonna have a $60 chair because the chair is beautiful and it's leveling up. And because I know my client, I know that they can afford it and I know that because it's such a scarcity, this type of chair that I'm ordering, there is no question, it'll rent. So it's this unapologetic selling, unapologetic pricing um, when you're dealing in the luxury space. You're not negotiating your prices. You're not um, worried about who can't afford it. There is no bargain. And you have to understand that you are worth it. Your brand is worth it. Your profit, your, your product is worth it. So you set the price according to what you want to do. And of course, the end goal is to make a profit. So you don't have to um, negotiate or feel like you have to explain your pricing to anyone. So that's the first piece. You want it. If the client wants it, they're going to pay for it. And there is no competition. This is what it is. You've created a product that is marketable. People love it. So they have to pay for it. And that's period. And you have to be confident to, to share that with your prospective clients. The next thing is this idea of um, creating exclusivity. So, yes, there are millions of kids' party rental companies in this tri-state area. Thousands. I see them every day that pop up. And I never spend time focusing on what someone else is doing because I'm still, you know, tugging forward with my brand. And because I understand my worth and I understand my market share and I understand my client, I don't have to look on the peripheral to see what someone else is doing because... I know my brand and I know my clients very well. So this idea of not everyone is going to be your client and you will outprice some people and that's okay. It's okay if someone can't afford your brand because yet again, you want to be in this luxury space. You want to up level your clientele. Not everybody's going to be able to afford you and you have to be okay with that. Um, this idea of creating exclusivity by limiting your supply. So I'm going to give you two examples of this or limiting your availability. So even if you don't have a product, but you have a service, it's still limiting your the access to you. That creates this demand. And we know it. We're all, you know, lover of, of luxury items. And I'm just thinking of... Um, there are two brands. I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it basic before I take it to the next level. So there's a brand that I order um, skin cream from, and they have four products. They range from thirty-five dollars. Hold on, I put the prices: thirty-five, sixty-five, ninety, and one thirty-five. So it's a skin. Um, they're, they're called Touch of Tallow, and it's a skincare product that uses all natural everything. Um, I don't even remember how how I arrived at the brand. But what she does is ingenious. So she will launch and say on February 14th, I think it's her next launch, I am reloading or whatever. And for each of the four categories, she'll still like, she'll have like 50 um, things. So she always says, and I'm gonna, she says the restock, mark your calendars um, and set your alarms because on this date and this time, I will have my, um, I will load up. And without fail, 
almost 15 minutes in, she's completely sold out. Why? Because she's created this demand, this exclusivity, and people love her products. Period. She doesn't negotiate on price. She doesn't stockpile items and does a million. It's very seamless. It's, it's like creating this demand and people were paying. And if you miss it out, guess what? That's it. You got to wait till next month or whenever, two months from now when she restocks. And that is fine because people are hammering, hammering to get this product. Yes, it's definitely the sold out gang. And I noticed that many people who want to create this, this, this feeling of, yes, this fear of missing out, create these um, sellout uh, situations. And when it comes down to um, having a, a service, you always want to make it so that people don't always have access to you constantly. So um, an event planner that I follow in the New York area, her name is, um, the company is Pep. She does this. So she, twice a year, she has, I believe it's October. Tiffany, correct me if I'm wrong, but October she does her, um, her, her yearly workshop. And again, it's on demand. People buy tickets immediately. And then she has one-on-one -on -one mentoring in January. So she's limiting her availability to have, to be, to have access to people who want to tap in. And it's always a sellout situation. So you want to be able to create a space where people feel like they will miss out if they don't jump on and, you know, experience the opportunity in real time. Um, when we think about the, the high-end brands, the Louis Vuitton, anytime they have a launch of a new bag, you know, you go on their website, you have to refresh to make sure they have it, and they, and they may sell out in, in minutes. And guess what? That's okay. You got to look at a reseller to buy it or you just miss out. So it's creating this, this sense of exclusivity that creates a higher demand for your product. The next piece of this puzzle is creating a brand or building a brand legacy. Now, that's where I am. That's the space that I'm in right now because um, my brand is seven and a half years old and I want it to be a long lasting thing. And so I always start with telling the story of the brand, like how I began, um, you know, and sharing that process of growing the brand, the behind the scenes. That's something that I've always shared. And that has allowed customers to, oh, not customers, but people who are um, interested in the brand story be, become lifelong uh, customers. So it's just creating this, this um, brand advocacy, so to speak. Uh, and you always want to create this story and share this legacy with your customers because what they become is the, are these advocates and they become your best sellers. You don't even have to pay them for anything. They become the people who are your spokespersons. And that is what you want to be able to, um, to build. Think about Apple products. Now, I'm not a big fan of Apple. I buy it because everybody I know has it and I'm used to the system. But there are diehard Apple product people. Like they have everything. Their MacBooks, their watch, their phones, everything is Apple. And when they buy new things or if they encounter someone asking for a new phone, guess what? They're going to recommend Apple, nothing else. So the Apple brand doesn't have to sell as much because they have people who are obsessed with the brands and they become brand advocates. That is the journey that you're trying to create with your brands um and it's creating that 
that legacy and the story behind your legacy that you want to resonate with everyone that encounters your, your brand. The fourth thing, and I, it's not something that I'm going to get into much, but it's this idea of visual branding. And it's super important. It's why I spent so much money on um, doing photo shoots for the very beginning to share my products is because even if I don't have clients, I want to create a body of work that shows my products in an amazing light. So having brand, um, how am I call it? Having visual branding for your brand that's amazing and beautiful and professional is vital. And that's something that I'll talk about at a later date, but it's something you need to consider. All right, so next we're gonna go into this um, client journey mapping. And from there, I'll talk about um, the ideal client profile and I will share my, um, my profile with you. So when we talk about the clients interfacing with your brand, there is a roadmap that they follow. And throughout this roadmap, you want them to go from the attract phase to the advanced phase without any breaks. And how do you do that? How do you ensure that when a person interfaces with your brand, they, they buy from you? So they start at this attract phase. And that's where you're asking yourself, how do I attract my clients? What am I doing? What is the visual um, branding that I'm presenting to the world that attracts people to my brand? And from there, you're talking about how do clients enter into the dealings with me? How do they enter into a contract with me? What are you doing to get them to accept your brand and to sign a contract, pay that invoice? So that is stuff that you have to consider. So hold on, I have a question here. Can you build me an assistant equipped with all your knowledge? <laughs> Listen, if I had an assistant with all my knowledge, I would be, I would be in, the, in, the, in the workings right now. And, that's, and again, that's something that I'm working on. Um, February, March, this whole first quarter, it's about hiring. It's about creating everything that I have up here putting it on paper so that I can turn key it to a team so that I can sit my ass home, you know, and, and actually luxuriate in all of the hard work that I've done for the eight years. But it's, it's, how do you say, you have to go through this part of the process, especially when you're a founder and you want to build a brand that has longevity. You have to, um, you have to do it. You got to You got to go through the mud, get it out the mud as they say right now. And, once you create that team that believes in your brand as much as you do, it's a shoe-in. You know, the sky's the limit. And that's what I'm trying to get to this year. Um, so the next part of this, this journey mapping is this adopt. And in the adopt phase, it's how do clients um, interact throughout the whole experience. So from the inquiry form through um, the delivery of the product, everything. How are you, how are they adopting to your system? The next thing is amplify, um, and that is when you're asking, how do they feel at the end? And that's something that's very important. You don't ever want to leave a client um, without finding out how they experience your product. Now, that can be an email, that could be a phone call, that could be you being on site and seeing their joy from whatever you produced, but you always want a sense of how they experienced your, um, your product or service. And then, of course, is the advanced phase where it's the follow up that is vital to connecting with them and making sure that they are a repeat client. 
You want to know that they refer you. You want to follow up and extend that relationship outside of the, the events that you um, initially reached with them, reach out with them. And so what I have at the bottom here is you must be well-versed in how your clients experience your brand from the inquiry process to the end, which is the review process. So this is one version of a life cycle for um, a client. Thank you so much for the badge. The next part is um, similar, but the language is sort of different. But it gives you this idea of start to finish on how you're taking the client. So this one is, is called a life cycle. And it's very similar. So we talk about the awareness. So that's when... That's the first stage when a client, prospective client, becomes aware of who you are. It becomes aware of the brand or the product or the service. From that awareness phase, they go into this engagement phase where they're reaching out to you and they are learning more about your business. And it's your job at that point to engage them. So how are they interacting with your service? So it could be a DM that they send you. And in that DM, you have a, like a pre-response where you, you ask what you would ask in an inquiry form, like what do you need, how many of this, blah, blah, blah. So what are the steps for engagement to snap them in um, through, this, this, through this whole life cycle? The next part is this evaluation. So this is before making a decision, this is the client, before they make the decision, they're comparing you to other people, they're doing research. And you may hear this a lot, well, I have to do my research to find out. And it's during that time, um, what are you doing in order to make sure that they come back to you and they sign that contract and they pay that invoice? So it's offering this digital self-service, which I talked about before. That can be your inquiry form um, that helps them evaluate your product. So for me, it's the inquiry form, but also there's another page that has all of the um, rental items with pictures and pricing. So they don't necessarily have to ask me 50 million questions. They can go directly to, thank you so much, Carolyn. They can go directly to the website and see the pictures. Um, so it's that evaluation process for them. Next is the purchase. And this is where we want everybody to be. We want everybody to become a customer and make that final decision to fulfill, you know, to fulfill, um, sorry, not to fulfill, to connect with you and to have you be the person that they do business with. And then it's the product experience and finally that advocacy. And we want everyone to be an advocate for your brand. So whatever they leave with, you want to make sure that they then, thank you so much, they then um, become advocates, just like Apple products. You want them to talk about what it is you provided for them and be the, the promoter's of your brand. Free advertising, that's what I call it. It always is an amazing thing. Thank you so much guys for the for the um, badges. Like, it's such an amazing feeling. All right, so let's get into these six steps. So I kept this very basic because I wanna spend time talking about the ideal client profile. So I offer six steps to level up. Now, the first one is your mindset. And we spoke about this briefly when we talked about setting your prices and being unapologetic um, when it comes to what your, what your pricings are, what your pricing is. 
So to upgrade your clientele, you must upgrade how you think about yourself and your and your business and your brand. You have to believe that you're worth it. You have to believe that you can price yourself up there and get a client who's going to pay. That is super important to to reaching these clients that you, you want. Um, the next part is if you stand behind your product or service, no one can tell you you're too expensive because you know your worth. If they say you're too expensive, you just know that they're not your client. It's not then having a conversation with yourself. Oh, maybe I should lower my prices. No, because your mindset, you know what you're worth and you know that by, by diminishing or lowering your price, you're diminishing your brand. So what I like to do when I'm coaching people around this, this idea of mindset is to give these two affirmations. It's, I am a perfect match for my ideal client. I'm learning more and more every day about how to reach my ideal client. So you have to constantly say that to yourself because what happens is you start to look around and you start to see other people who, who may have started business at the same time as you and you see them doing more than you you got to have blinders on at this phase because your mindset is that whoever is your ideal client is your ideal client. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. So you have to stand steadfast in that idea that your client is your client. The next um, number two is this idea that, sorry, where are we? Um, you have to be clear on who you're selling to. Now, we all talk about... Um, wanting this upper echelon client. We talk about having a brand that services people with discretionary funds, right? But many of us are not clear on who that client is and what they look like and every aspect of that client. So my client avatar is Bonnie. That's what I call her. And I'm going to explain in the next slide who Bonnie is. And I am very clear on who I'm selling to. So I'm always selling to a Bonnie or Bonnie-like um, ideal clients. And so everything I purchase, everything that I share and I promote on my brand is to sell to my Bonnie. So I'm reading from the slides now. You have to know what their wants are, what their desires, what their points of pain are for your clients and tailor the product to them. You're selling to this person. So your ICP, which is the ideal client um, profile or your client avatar, has to highlight three key sources of information. So the first one is your um, geographical data, where they live, um, what they work for, age, that kind of stuff. Sorry, demographic would be age. Your demographic data. And then, yes, we all love a, we love a Bonnie. <laughs> and then your psychographic data. And basically what that is is, what their buyer persona is like how do they shop where do they shop um what are their personality traits so that would be that kind of information and then you want to connect with your prospective clients or connect with people who represent your your prospective clients so when i'm interfacing with clients or reaching out to influencers i'm always connecting with people who fit my bonnie avatar no one else and so the, app, the affirmation around this part is, I will easily attract my ideal clients. Why will you easily attract them? Because you know exactly who they are. You know how they are. Yes, Bonnie is a bougie chick. 
And no, see, Barney is not even bougie because to me, bougie is still sort of basic, right? Barney is on another level uh, above that. And let me show you why. I'm about to show you who Barney is. So let me show you my um, client avatar. Now, this is ever evolving. Now, I'm sorry that the font is so small because I just literally took this from my ebook. Um, so it was really small. So the petite seats client avatar, who we call Bonnie, is a female. She's between the ages of 35 to 45. She is college educated. She's a stay-at-home mom. She ain't working outside of her home. Um, she lives in New York City. She has a home in either Mercer County, New Jersey. Um, she, sorry, she lives in New York City. She has a home in Mercer County, New Jersey, and or the Hamptons in the summer. So she has two residences. A New, York, a New York City place, and then a beach home. She's married. She's an expert level shopper, meaning this woman knows every shopping site. She knows all of the Bergdorf, Saks. She's out there. She's shopping. Um, when it comes down to her preferred method to reach a business, it's through Instagram, it's through phone, via WhatsApp. Um, her the, the dual household income is... 500k plus and she has three at most sorry not at most she has an, on average three children so i'm going to stop right there because i want to look at the comments um as i just said that part of my ideal client so it's so in depth that i know where she lives at i know her age i know her occupation i know how many kids she has i know how she likes to reach out to me i know the household income based on demographic areas for her zip code. So that is how deep you have to go in to understand who you're selling to. If you don't do that, it gets kind of murky when, you're, when, you're, when you are introducing products or services because you don't necessarily know who your Bonnie is. So you have, to, you have to know this. And I will say this, in the worksheets for the class today, I created um, this... Uh, a blank page for this ideal client profile. So it's on there. So you can spend the time to think about this for yourself. <laughs> yes. Bonnie got money, honey. Bonnie got money. We talking about generational wealth. Um, so the next part of this is her motivation. So what motivates Bonnie to come to a petite seats and spend money with, with me? So first is this... She wants, she's motivated by custom and high level personalization for her events, for her children. Um, she also loves fast transactions. She ain't got time. She's shopping. She's on the board for a nonprofit. So whatever she is engaging with me is, it has to be quick. She's sending voice messages through WhatsApp. It's not a long email. Um, the next thing is she wants flexibility with deliveries. And I may not even be having a conversation with her. I could be having a conversation with her house manager in order to get the stuff to her. Um, and so that's a handoff. Next, she's, she loves to get recommendations from her peers. Nine times out of 10, she, she found my business through a referral from a friend. So another Bonnie. Um, she loves the clean, rustic aesthetic. Like that is who my client is. She loves one of a kind experiences for her children's events. Um, Sorry, I gotta. I'm trying to look up, but I'm reading and it's like a bubble right there. Um, 
She loves fulfilling all of her children's desires. So if her kid says they want a Coco Melon and uh, Encanto party, that's what the baby's gonna get. And you gotta make it work. Um, and she loves what's trending in the party planning space. She's looking at Pinterest. She's looking at what's popular for the kids' party space. So she, again, is an is a expert-level shopper, so she knows what she wants. Okay, I'm reading the comments now because I don't want to miss anything. Um, okay, so then her pain points. So you also have to understand what it is that brings them angst. When, before they come to you because you need to understand how to alleviate this you know as a business you're solving a problem for your client so bonnie's pain points fall in finding attractive kids party rentals excuse me i always hear that nobody has the inventory that you have i've been looking been searching i don't see it so i am fulfilling that need for that pain point for her um, she always complains about my high delivery rates, but boo, you live in the Hamptons. What are we going to do? Right? But still, I don't negotiate price. It is what it is, but I'm still going to hear it. Right? She, um, doesn't like when I'm unavailable to answer questions. So if I say, this is my WhatsApp, you can WhatsApp me at any time. If I'm available, I'm going to respond, but please also understand that, you know, I'm a mommy, I'm a wife. So I'll definitely get back to you in real time, but just put it on the chat. Don't blow up my phone calling me. I would prefer if you text me. So it's setting those boundaries, but still also letting them know that you can definitely text me at any time and I'll respond at my earliest convenience. Um, they don't like, she doesn't like a confusing rental process. So it has to be seamless, fill out the inquiry form, talk to the house manager, everything is set. Um, and again, this, this idea of restricting access to phone calls. So in the beginning, this was something that I struggled with because I had clients that had no problem calling me at random ass hours and it was just like, I can't do this. So what I started to do is, and I, I thought about taking my number off of um, Instagram, but what I do is if they call, I'll send a text. Please text. I can't talk now. It's still setting those boundaries, but still being available um, for whatever it is they need. So that's something that I've heard uh, complaints about or a pain point about. It's solidifying vendors. So truly, Bonnie just wants to come to you and say, listen, I need this, this, and this. Can you refer somebody that you use? So in that part of the business, it's me having vendors who are my go-to people. It's like my pervert, preferred vendors list. They want that. It's almost like one-stop shopping. They don't want to have to go all over the place to look for everything. They want to do it in a, in a, in a seamless manner. Um, it's guests who are late to RSVP. So for me, I always tell my clients, as long as you let me know the Wednesday before your event, if it's a weekend event, we can tweak numbers. It's not a big deal. Um, Nine times out of 10, I'll have the chairs available. If I don't, then I will sublet. But you don't have to worry about people who are RSVPing late or, you know, whatever. We work it out. It's not a hard, fast number to worry about an RSVP. But it's something that I hear constantly, especially in times of COVID. The next thing is um, choosing an appropriate venue. So what I've encountered lately is, yes, they have amazing apartments in the city, um, they have amazing estates in, in the Hamptons, but it's 
do is it appropriate to do it inside is it appropriate to do it outside you know what's the weather how's the bounce house um weather policy all of these things are things that they think about and i have to um mitigate and work through for them to make sure that everything is seamless so i'm gonna pause because this is my my client avatar and i want you to see how detailed it is and i don't deviate from this i may add some things to it but i don't deviate it um I'm reading the comments. Yes, Bonnie type stylist. It's all in the details. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go to the next thing. So again, I have this, this uh, explained in depth on the worksheets that um, I attach to this, uh, to this workshop. So the next thing is this idea of creating a signature package. Now, this is something that I'm introducing this year because I've never done it before. I've never had a one-stop package that includes everything, like tables and chairs, bounce houses, backdrops. So this year, Hava and I have decided to create a tiered approach to this idea of a, of a signature package. And the hope is that we create um, almost like a one-stop shopping. So that is something that I'm definitely doing. So this is the research that I'm doing right now in real time. So the part is the essence of a signature package or program is that you help your clients solve one single problem or challenge. Um, the signature programs are all about delivering desired outcomes. The signature program helps create a strong sense of leadership and credibility to your brand. So you know everything that the client needs before they even get to you and you've already created it in a bundle and they will appreciate you for that. The next thing is you can say goodbye to the vague and the general and become an authority in something that's specific and specialized. And within that, you wanna be able to show testimonies for people who've used your package, your product or service. So examples of this, um, there is a, an amazing um, soft play company that started, last, I'm going to say this year, um, Lux Play. And when you go on their website, they have uh, signature packages, I believe three or four, and it's all inclusive and it's a tiered system. So they may start at $800 and go up to $4,000, but they also offer the option of having um, balloons, you know, a whole lot of uh, decals, a whole lot of other stuff. So when clients come, they already know that I saw this picture, I want this package. And it's, it's creating this, this level of confidence for the buyer and it's showing your credibility as understanding what it is your clients need before they even get to you. Hi. Okay, so that was three. So the next one is um, talking about sales, targets. And it's that, this idea that, yes, we're working and we're working towards a goal, but you have to set that target. So I set my, um, my sales targets quarterly. And in the beginning, I used to think about this as a yearly thing, but because I, I'm more strategic in how I plan, I definitely sh uh, set sales targets quarterly. So first quarter is all about me spending, right? I'm not really necessarily worried about sales because I'm shopping, I'm doing my research, it's cold. Um, so sales are 
really low. So it's not a big deal for me. But starting quarter two, three, four, I always set sales targets because I want to make set amount of money per month. And when I don't reach those goals, I have to tweak something in my marketing. So it's very important that you set sales targets, whether it's monthly, whether it's quarterly, however you see fit to do it, so that you know that all of this legwork leg that you're doing on the back end, you're making progress. The fifth thing is to reach out to those who represent your ideal client. Now, I want to. This is going to be a what you call this a, a, a detour. So we all live in a, especially when you have a product or service that is in demand. Um, we all live in this space where influencers will reach will reach out to our brands and ask for collaborations. Now, in the beginning, I was all for it. You know, this swap for a mention. Now, I, it's, it doesn't matter if I get pictures or not, right? Because most of my clients, I would say 85% of the events I do, I never see those pictures in the light of day. Just don't get it. One second. <coughs> I didn't bring any water up here. Um, so it's not a big deal for me. But I would caution you, if you were doing influencer comping, always have a contract. Always have a contract. Because I've seen so many people get burnt by uh, influencers that don't at them, that um, get the world. You know, you go above and beyond for them, and then you're looking at their stories and nothing. One second, I need some water. <coughs> so that is something that you have to be um, very diligent in making sure you have a, con a solid contract when dealing with, with, um, with the influencer space. All right. So, and whoever you are influencer, you have to vet them. You have to make sure that they are, they fit your body profile. They fit your ideal client profile. It just can't be some random person that wants to use your product. You have to make sure that it's something that, tra that will transfer and convert in the end. Um, so then the final sentiment is after you've done all this work, you want to make sure you make room in your schedule to, to service these clients. Because once you put in the work, once you have a brand that's amazing and aesthetically pleasing, the clients will come. The clients will come. You've set your pricing. You've done all the back end work. They'll come and you have to make sure that you've had space in your schedule to service them. That's something that's very important. Yes, and we don't work for free. Yes, the, the live will be saved um, in the IGTV section. All right, so the next piece of this is my overall takeaways. So, hold on, let me make sure. I'm going back to my notes because... I talk, 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 and I, I often deviate from what it is I want to say. So I want to make sure that I hit all the points um, without leaving anything out. So the idea is when we're talking about leveling up or reaching this clientele that um, has the discretionary funds to spend, you're attracting your worth takes time. It's not an immediate thing in business. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Now, I will say this. Because I have seen people who reach a, a level of stardom, so to speak. 
and it's because of their relationships. So they have relationships with clients who are in the Barney realm or they have relationships or they are a part of the Barney spectrum and it's very easy for them to reach this level. Not everybody is in that space. So you have to, you can't compare yourself to that kind of, of, of vendor or, or business because they are already in that space. But many of us are not. Many of us are just working to create this brand to reach this level of clientele. So this is something that's going to take time. The next thing is you want to empower your team, empower yourself to always go the extra mile for your clients within reason, without stressing yourself out. And then you want to optimize your client journey. You want to make sure that from start to finish, they have a seamless um, experience with your brand. And it's something that they that will convert to a referral and repeat business. And then you want to build excuse me, a customer-centric culture within your brand, within your business. So clients understand that, yes, you have a brand, you're, you're doing business, you're working, but your client's needs will always come first. All right, what is next? So next, I have a quote that I think um, summarizes all of this in succinctly. So this is from um, Christy Short, who was a CMO of Rootswork LLC. And she says, a high caliber client experience doesn't come easy. It takes time, dedication, and a keen eye to consistently identify areas for improvement and innovation and innovative ways to move beyond client expectations, to fulfill unexpressed wishes and needs. So I want to put a pin right there because I... You know, I talked about this before, being in this, this Hampton space where the clients have buku bucks and the demands become, they are very demanding. I'll put it that way. They're very demanding and they want things to look a certain way. But even within that space, you have to create um, this, this, how do you say it? You have to understand what they want, but then still also provide a level of service that goes above and beyond what they expect, even though it is a higher level of expectation. So you have to think about how to you know, be, um, uh, what's the word? You have to think about how to create innovative ways in order to do that. And so that is when you have thought partners, you have your team, we have other vendors that could be working an event with you um, that you share you know, this is what I, this is an idea I have. They didn't ask for this, but this is what I want to do. But also something that's not going to cost you a lot of out-of-pocket expense. So this could be something that you work into your budget. You charge an additional 20% so you can work out this extra. It's, it's all up to you, but it's not something that should cost you more than what you charge the client. Okay, so the client experience is an ever-evolving organism. So firms must... So, what? I can't even read this. So firms must adapt with the times and the changes needed and expectations of clients. Reaching the level of high caliber client experience is one thing. Staying there is a lifelong commitment. And I'm going to say amen to that. So yes, you can reach a level of stardom, so to speak. You can reach a level of having uh, celebrity clients. People think that's the end all to be all. Um, clients with money, but it's, it's creating a brand experience where people stay with you. It's creating a legacy that no matter what's happening, they're always going to get the same level of, uh, service. So 
that is my um, webinar in a nutshell. I do want to um, talk about uh, the next thing is my coaching. So I offer two um, levels of coaching. So I am starting both of them um, towards the end of February, March. And so I offer two. So the first one is this idea of creating a group. Um, it's a, a mentor group subscription. And within that, it's $75 a month. And of course, I'll have my beautiful space that Jada is designing um, in March to have a meetup space. And I'll also do this virtually as well. So it'll be two different times. I'll have a virtual group and then I'll have an in-person group where um, you can, we meet together as a group once a month. And the idea is to create monthly progress for business goals, um, track your goals, have accountability partners. Um, and I relayed this kind of information more in depth because when I do it on a webinar, it's all over the place. It's, it's um, not chunked in a way that you can attach a task to it. So this is something that we would do as a group um, monthly. And it offers, um, especially new business owners, a benchmark to grow. Um, it's something that I wish I had in the beginning of doing my business, but as a result, I have this amazing library of, of business um, uh, books, ebooks, physical books. And so I have this like reservoir of knowledge that I really wanna share with people. Um, so they don't have to go over the humps and spend the money that I had to spend. Um, so this is one aspect of it. But again, this is the group work. The next thing is when you, if you want to do a one-on-one -on -one with me, a one-on-one -on -one coaching. So I offer um, this more in-depth, it's more personalized. It's uh, a weekly 12-week session. It's uh, $2,000 in total, but I break it down to $167 a week. And it's more detailed. It's more specific to your type of business where we do case studies, where we do um, the same resource library, accountability, and we talk about strategic planning for marketing, for um, sales, all of that good stuff. Um, we do that for a 12-week period. And this starts March 1st. Um, I'm only taking a few, I already have three slots filled for this. So I'm only taking at most uh, five more people because I don't want it to be um, like my whole time coaching. I am going into the space where we're making CEO moves. Like I got a whole beautiful desk. So I want to be able to sit at the desk and do the back end stuff while I send off my team to work the business. So that is where I'm at right now. Um, so these are two options that I have for coaching. If you're interested, if you are wanting to ask more questions, all you have to do is DM me, email me. Um, many of you have my number, call me, whatever it is. And I will, um, I will connect with you so we can talk about what it is you need, what it is you're looking for, and I will definitely help. So I'm, I'm going back up and I'm reading the comments um, because I want to see, you guys are offering all kinds of tidbits. Yes, I see you, Tiffany, um, with all of the CRMs. Yes, I'm here for all of this. Um, 
Yeah, and you start working on your bonnies. Like, definitely buy the worksheets because I have all of this listed in there. The um, ideal client profile and um, how to basically strategize on who you're selling to. Um, all of that is, is there. And I thank you for everyone who um, dropped the badge. Super, super dope. I am always humbled by people who share and attach a monetary value with it. So I thank you so much. Um, oh, I'm glad you were able to experience it as well. Oh, thank you, Leash. So yes, and you said thank you so much for doing this. Your talk's always <laughs> thought-provoking. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Okay, I understood. I understood. Yes, branding is very important um, to me. Um, so that's something that I always spend a lot of time on when I'm coaching because um, branding is where it's at. Reels is where it's like right now. I haven't done reels in about a week. And that's only because I got my new camera. It came today. So I'm going to do an unboxing for that. And then I will, um, I'm going to be doing all my reels with this new camera that I just spent $1,000 on. Um, you know, is leveling up. Like I'm, I'm watching people completely transform and connect with people that they've never would have connected before with reels. So I was like, I gotta get off of this cell phone and buy an amazing client. I mean, sorry, amazing camera. Um, yes, yes, please, Ruffles, please DM me um, if you have questions about the mentorship, and I would love to. Um, to answer real trade again i'm gonna put in my stories the person who um i bought a course for reels and i'm gonna put in the stories who she was because it was comprehensive um oh so the notes are in my story if you put if you click the link that says worksheets that'll have all of the um the worksheets for today oh thank you mpb um i'm glad that you enjoyed it I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. Um, my sister always gets on me about community. And so my goal is to create a community of like-minded business um, people together so that we have, we have a built-in support system. Um, and yes, of course, it'll start off as a mentorship program, but it's, it's creating this space where you can always come together. You can use my space to you know, just talk about business ideas. I think that having a business sometimes can be a very isolating experience, especially if you are a first generation entrepreneur. So creating a space where you are in a, a space where like-minded people are talking and thinking and sharing ideas is always going to benefit you and benefit your bottom line and benefit your business. So that is what I am trying to create with these subscription services, with the um, mentorship um, and coaching opportunities. It's, it's learning about other people's businesses and helping them reach a level of success that they may not have thought to reach before, but also creating this group of people who are working towards you know, that financial freedom and creating a legacy that's everlasting. Um, yes. Share and Capita. Yes, yes, yes. DM sent. Oh, thank you so much. I'll look for it. Yes. And so also my sister just reminded me, I want to put up the um, flyer for this 
on the 30th, so the start of this whole coaching journey is this idea of doing a, um, a vision of a digital vision board party. And what that does is what the hope or the goal or the purpose of this um, workshop is, is to um, have business owners come together, use Pinterest and Canva to create a digital vision board that you are able to go to and, and save and, and look at when you need that extra boost. You know, it's this visual representation, this visualization. You have to see it in order to achieve it, in order to do it. So that vision board, the vision board um, uh, party it will be digital and it will be on um, Zoom and we have 22 spots. I, well, not 22 now because people have purchased, but we're capping it at 22 people and my sister and I will run through several exercises. We'll be doing um, this team building. We'll be doing uh, giveaways It'll be a very dope experience for you to start this journey of visualizing and reaching your goals. Um, my sister will be giving out a digital business guide and we'll just be networking and learning more about each other's businesses and it will be available for replay. Um, and then that's another space where you can ask business questions um, in real time as well. So that is happening at 2 p.m. Sunday, June the 30th. And um, if you look in, I don't even know where the link is. I'll, if you want it, DM me, but I'll, I'll also repost that in my stories. But it's, it's a space where uh, we just have fun and we create a visual representation of what it is we want. Um, so that is happening on the 30th. Hi, Bola. How are you? Thank you so much for the um, for the badge. I truly appreciate it. So I am headed off. I'm nine minutes over my time. I hear my kids going crazy. So who knows what's happening when I unlock this door? Um, oh, my sister did put the link here. So I'm going to pin that. Um, that's for the vision board party. And I look forward to connecting with... Um, no worry, it's, it'll be saved. As soon as I click off, it'll be saved to my IGTV and you'll be, um, you'll be able to sell it. Look at Jada, always trying to get my coin. Jada said I need to resell it. No, the, the live, so this is, this, is, this is a good segue into what I wanted to say before I get off. So this will be the last um, live that I do that uh, is free because from here, I'm, I'm taking off all of my past um, lives off of my petite seats and I'm going to put it in another um, space so that people who are, are who are paying for the subscription service have access to it and no one else like I don't want to give away stuff and not be able to um, make it exclusive like we talked about this tonight we want to make an exclusive product so people feel like they're getting something that no one else has and that is what I'm doing so this will definitely be the last live that I do that is on IGTV. Everything else will be in a different platform, a different medium, so that people who are um, paying for, you know, my expertise have access to it only. Um, so that's where we are. Um, thank you guys again for watching. Thank you so much for everyone who um, dropped the badge and have a wonderful, I don't even know what today is. Is it Wednesday? Whatever day it is, have a wonderful doing it. <laughs>
Sorry, somebody said, do you recommend this even if I live in Mexico City? So, yes, I still recommend the um, subscription service because it's about business. Um, it's business branding, business coaching, business marketing. It doesn't matter your geographic location. It's more about where you are in business and um, where you want the goals you want to reach and achieve. So it, it, that is the focus of it. It's not something that is specific to a type of industry or a type of business. It's just about across the board. These are business best business practices that you should be um, utilizing in order to grow your brand. So yes, it doesn't matter where you are. Um, so when am I erasing the other? So I'm actually actively doing that now. Um, so I don't really have a timeline for it. I get distracted. Like last night I did four. <laughs> So eventually it'll be just petite seat stuff. You'll see less of my face. Um, so I, I really can't give a, a time, but it is, I am actively doing it now. All right, you guys have a wonderful night. I'm going to save this now. Night.